When it makes the loud, weird buzzing sound, then you know it's ready. I'm speaking, of course, of my real pandemic splurge purchase or splurchase, the Arc Carbonator 3. This is a device that puts bubbles in water. It does so luxuriously. Now, it's no secret that water never cared for it. But then one day, as an adult, I went sparkling instead of still, and I've never looked back. Water, while the reason we all exist, is about as boring as can be. It needs uh, the vastness of the ocean with its waves or a forestry backdrop just to be interesting. Yes, send it cascading over a mountain and I can pay attention, whatever it takes. But in a glass, a clear liquid in a clear vessel. Why are we wasting time like this? Life is precious. Put some bubbles in there. And now... Now we have something, and I do it all the time. And this device, this is not a paid promotion, by the way. That will probably never happen unless some of those unsolicited Instagram DMs pay off. I answer every one. But this device, this device I have now, is beautiful to look at. A slender column of matte black metal with a delicate nozzle of silver that one plunges into a handsome thick bottle full of ordinary water. And then, a gentle push of a handle and we. The bubbles come in the fizz, and the promise of a new day awaits. Was it expensive? It was. Has it already paid for itself, given how often I was buying bottles of water? No. But sometimes we need things in our lives that we care for, that bring us joy, that may be frivolous, but that provide us with a sense that all can be made right. Now that can be a pair of loose-fitting slacks, a deck of tarot cards, or a shelf full of radiant crystals. We're talking about crystals and all they represent tonight as we step through the shimmering portal that hovers there in our peripheral vision. And together we will journey to the Deep Night. Deep Night with Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so happy to be with you tonight and to serve once again as your host, guide, and guru through this next hour of regrets and revelations we call The Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Oh, to be stuck inside near a super fun site for eleven months. A dream! Oh, and to watch the Guani these past few days, engorged and swollen with more than a foot of snow. A few of us ran down and made Guana slushies, pouring cola syrup, green food coloring, and little flecks of cornflakes to represent hardened debris into a sturdy cup filled with snow. What fun! And tasty, too! Tonight on the program, we're not talking about ice crystals, we're talking about crystal crystals. And it occurs to me that while we've had many people on the show that were what I would call crystal adjacent, I'm not sure we've ever gone straight to the heart of the matter, certainly not with someone who has written an entire book on the subject. 
Jaya Saxena is my guest, and she's the author of a collection of personal essays that take their inspiration from various powerful stones. The book is called Crystal Clear, Extraordinary Talismans for Everyday Life, and it's a well-researched, informative, and evocative, and lovely read. Now, it's not one of these bulky guides that just lists what a crystal can do for you. It dives into the history, tangled origins, and contemporary relevance of crystals and gemstones. And isn't that what we need? Jaya Saxena is a writer and editor from New York City. Well, that's right here. She's currently a staff writer at Eater.com, and her writing has appeared in GQ, L, The New York Times, The Toast... The Daily Dot, The New Yorker, Racked, Catapult, and others. She is the co-author of Dad Magazine and the co-author of Basic Witches. It was a pleasure to welcome her to the show. So let's go now to my conversation with Jaya Saxena. Jaya Saxena, welcome to the Deep Night. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's so great. Now, how is your energy today? My my energy is, well, I believe we, we had established that Mercury is in retrograde, so the oh, energy boy. is a little, you know, there's some stuff there's some stuff going on, but I feel like the energy is is solid, pretty yes. solid. Yes, and and uh, we experienced a little bit of a little uh, manifestation of that, but ha- has it... <laughs> Has it appeared in your life in other ways? <laughs> you know, I think I, I had not realized that Mercury is in retrograde this recent time. And then last night I was sort of thinking, you know, multiple things had gone a little bit awry this week. And I was like, I'm just going to check just in case. And then I saw it and I'm like, well, that explains everything. It's the I don't have to blame anything else in my life for my problems. That's right. Once you find that, it's a very uh, big relief, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just um, blame everything on that. Yes. I mean, other than everything falling apart, it's a big relief. Yeah. Um, now, I'm uh, always so happy to see your avatar pop up on the various feeds and things in which they do, because then I know that I'm going to get some wisdom. I'm going to get a unique perspective uh, on whatever is going on. And by gosh, there's been a lot going on. (laughs) There has been. And thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you this, uh, the question I ask all of our guests, but uh, right at the top, would you, uh, and realizing that we don't really know each other very well, but (laughs) would you be interested in joining a commune that I've established here in Brooklyn? Ooh, you know, I'm I'm not anti-commune. I enjoy the idea of living on a commune. Um, but I also am I am a lifelong New Yorker who has never lived in Brooklyn and I sort of want to keep it that way. Oh, 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 oh. Well, <laughs> that's the first time somebody's given that answer. Yeah, I, do you, I appreciate are, that. I'm I will start a competing commune in Queens and <laughs> that'll just be <laughs> we can just be quiet rivals. You know, they can be cooperative, or we yeah. can be friendly rivals. Of course, friendly that's, rivals. That is bound to happen, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be friendly. So you've never lived communally before, other than the experience of living in New York, which is in itself, it's kind of uh, communal. Exactly. Yeah. If you consider general apartment living on top of people living communal living, I think that that halfway counts as communal living. Um, <laughs> 
but yep. yeah, not, nothing, nothing to the point of a, a shared kitchen with 30 people or anything like that. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's quite a ride. And I know that, um, <laughs> From here on out, I'm going to be giving all of our new members wall-to-wall carpeting. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> because they're loud. Other people are loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what I, have you had to deal with a difficult neighbor? Uh, you know, our uh, my, my partner and I at our old apartment, we had these upstairs neighbors who were very lovely people. You know, they'd watch our cats when we were away, um, you know, always were friendly in the hallway, really, really nice family. But sometimes it would just sound like they were doing the most absurd things up there. And I just sort of wanted to knock on their door and be like, I don't even care that you're making noise. I just want to know what it actually is that is creating that noise. It felt like sometimes they would be they would be running like chains over the floor or mm -hmm. playing basketball for like hours. Uh -huh. And, you know, this this wasn't a particularly large apartment or anything, so I don't know how they would be playing games like that. But I think just the, the types of sounds that would be coming in through our ceiling, um, I, I just really wanted to know what, what on earth could be making that noise. <laughs> yes, it's, it's mysterious, isn't it? It Sometimes is very mysterious. It may be bowling pins. Uh, yeah. Somebody's just repeatedly <laughs> dropping something. And what is that activity? Yes. Yeah. It's... Just trying to crack a safe by like knocking it onto the floor all the time with a baseball bat. Like they maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All, all reasonable <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Popular activities in the city. Absolutely. Um, well, I want to get down to it and talk about the book uh, that you have uh, out now because it aligns with so many of my interests. Uh, Crystal Clear is the title of it. And it's all about crystals, but it's also about so many things. Um, what crystals stand for, the roles that they played uh, throughout history. Um, do you have a crystal within reach there now? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I actually do. Give me it's it's slightly further than reach, but hold on one sec. <laughs> you can also oh, wait, just no. you wait can tell second. me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing one. That's there what I'm realizing. I'm wearing an amethyst right now. Uh, terrific. And <laughs> uh, and what is that helping you with? Uh, well, this amethyst is, you know, particularly sentimental because it was given to me by my grandmother. Um, so I feel like that always gives us extra personal connection when, when you get an object from someone that you care about. So it makes me think of her. Um, but amethyst is supposed to be a crystal that helps with sort of balance and sobriety and calm and peace. And so as we were talking about with maybe all of that mercury retrograde energy or just the general energy of the world right now, I feel like uh, wanting to feel slightly more balanced and focused is a, it's a pretty good goal. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Yes. And I have my amethyst here too, right Ooh, behind nice. me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on the same wavelength along with a smoky quartz back Beautiful. there and uh, keeping it all flowing and the energy going is <laughs> always important. I will say, um, that as the pandemic was peaking here in New York and things were really getting scary in the way that they were uh, and in a way that I had not experienced in some time, I started to doubt uh, the colorful rocks. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay to doubt? What did did, did you not think that a, a bunch of rocks was going to automatically make everything better? Was that? <laughs> that that's what I began began. <laughs> began to question. Absurd. Absurd. But But doubt is part of it, isn't it? Absolutely. No, I, yeah. Um, You know, contrary to popular belief, rocks don't cure disease. (laughs) And, um, but, you know, I think they can bring some, some of that calm. If, if holding a rock makes you feel slightly more in touch with yourself, why not? Sure. Yes. <laughs> and uh, in the book, you talk about some of your earliest exposure to Krishna. You said that was a gift from your uh, grandmother. Uh, mm-hmm. And so was that an early uh, early crystal that you had? You also mentioned the Museum of Natural History. Yes. Um, this, this one was a more recent one that she gave to me. But some of my earliest memories were uh, field trips and sort of trips with my friends to the Museum of Natural History because I, I grew up in Manhattan and uh, there was a, this big gem room there. And it was one of my favorite places in the whole city, my favorite place in the museum, uh, because you know they just had these huge, huge stones and stones of every single type, every color. Some of them glowed in the dark. Some of them were cut into beautiful jewelry. Um, some of them were radioactive. And I just thought this was so fascinating that, you know, every, that all of these things could sort of be put under the umbrella of rock. Uh, (laughs) You know, like we're very used to there being, you know, thousands and thousands of different micro species of animals and things like that. But I, I think fewer people were just talking about rocks. And I don't know. I just thought they were really cool looking. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that room was not unlike a gem itself. Uh, yeah. It kind of sealed off. You had to, you really had a, it had an energy to it. Uh, I think the fact that it was carpeted, if I can remember correctly. Yes. Yes. Speaking of wall to wall carpeting, it was wall to wall carpeting, but also floor to ceiling carpeting. It was literally <laughs> yes. like dark brown carpet everywhere. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> so it was very cozy and also probably very dirty at a certain point. But um, yeah, it felt completely different from the rest of the museum. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember being in Laramie, Wyoming, and uh, being told to go and check out their uh, mineralogy museum or mineral museum that they had there. And uh, I will say that even a small town museum with a small little back room with a flickering black light that would <laughs> come on. Even <laughs> that experience uh, is a wonderful one. Anytime that you're with their rocks and you get a chance to look at them up close, be in their presence, it, it can be invigorating. Absolutely. It doesn't need to be wall-to-wall ceiling to floor carpeting, but <laughs> th- that's nice too. I mean, one day I'll design my apartment that way, but until then, I'll, I have those memories. <laughs> you know it would be nice as an A-frame with all that in it? Oh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, really, any basement too. Anyhow, I have lots of thoughts about carpet. Uh, <laughs> do you think growing up you were particularly sensitive to energies of the cosmos? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, my my mom has always maintained that she and I have some sort of witchy energies to us. You know, we were the type of people who could slightly predict 
who was going to be on the phone when it rang, you know, long before caller ID and things like that. Uh, I think, you know, I think I was a sensitive kid, though. I think I was, you know, an indoor child. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I think I, I, I definitely was someone who, who liked to be in my room with my thoughts a lot. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that makes you a little bit sensitive sometimes to what other people are thinking or feeling or, or just to what you yourself are thinking and feeling. Um, so I imagine that I, yeah, maybe did pick up on some, some bigger energies. <laughs> yes. And as you matured, uh, do you find that you, you needed something to focus uh, some of that sensitivity uh, and that there was a, a need for a practice to be behind it? <laughs> I definitely don't think I have anything so structured as to be called a practice. Like I'm, I'm very informal in all of my crystal collecting and usage. But I do, yeah, I think having things to help me focus my thoughts has been really nice. Um, I'm also, I also really like tarot. I have a lot of tarot decks and having an image or an object to sort of meditate on or focus on for a little bit rather than letting all of my thoughts just go in a million different directions um, is definitely helpful. And I think definitely, definitely calming and helps me actually figure out what I'm thinking, what I'm wanting more. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly been my experience, too, and that it that moving away from the idea that maybe the rock is itself powerful, but uh, if you're worried about finances or uh, relationships or, or whatever it might be, if you have something there that's tangible where you can kind of remind yourself to be committed to that or to, to remind yourself to be forward thinking about whatever that issue might be, whatever that thing is for you, and you can kind of walk past it, see it, maybe you say a little prayer to it or not. Maybe you just, it reminds you like, yes, okay, reminds you of your intention to move forward on whatever that area is. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's something where it's so easy to get overwhelmed um, with all sort of little annoying thoughts about something or, or get really frazzled. And I think assigning meaning to an object, even if it's totally arbitrary, helps you remember like, okay, what did I actually want in the first place? You know, are any of these thoughts helping me achieve that goal or are they just distracting me? Or, you know, I, I feel like it sort of helps you see the bigger picture a bit. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I've said many times, and, and, and uh, uh, see what you think about this, <laughs> that, that, that crystals are, are what I would call dirt spirits and uh, that they're ghosts that. that have been trapped underground. <laughs> and whatever is within them has to do with whatever uh, spirit was passing through them or getting uh, trapped inside them. I love this idea. I absolutely <laughs> love this idea. Oh, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, look, like I, I have heard enough stories about haunted houses that I'm pretty sure there are ghosts. And so I would love for all of my rocks to secretly be ghosts. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, it does some, uh, come a little bit close to some of the myths that you explore in the book, uh, mm -hmm. too, that the, the lots of the origin stories of crystals have to do with the fact um, 
And, and I was honestly struck that so many of them had to do with this idea that there was a containment of feminine energy, um, mm-hmm. whether they're tears or longing or purity, um, excessive emotion. There was something about uh, containing uh, <laughs> that I found interesting and was uh, intrigued to hear your sort of contemporary feminist perspective on that. Oh, yeah. I think that there's a lot of, you know, especially a lot of the old Greek myths were a lot about I'm, I'm the one of the ones that I think you're alluding to was Amber, where it was all of these sisters crying over the death of their brother. And slowly, slowly, as they cried, they became trees like they were they were stuck in the ground in their grief. And the Amber was their tears. Um, or there was one right that was Rose Quartz when her lover, her lover Apollo died. Um, Aphrodite was crying, and supposedly her tears mixed with his blood formed rose quartz. Um, and yeah, I think in some ways it's like those are just cool stories. And I imagine someone saw a tree that looked like a person and saw some amber or some sap seeping out of it that looked like tears, and that was an easy sort of story to write around that image. Um, But also I think there is something tempting about being able to contain overwhelming emotions. I think that sometimes emotions can be so intimidating. And I think as we were talking about before, we don't know where to put them um, if we're having all these overwhelming thoughts. And so being able to say, okay, okay, they all go into this rock. And then if you ever want to address them, you go pick them up, but then you don't have to deal with them otherwise. Um, I, that's enticing sometimes, I think. <laughs> yes, for, for men and women, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think especially, I mean, right, like many, many cultures over many years have associated um, – an overwhelming show of emotion with feminine energy. You know, men are supposed to be stoic and not necessarily let their emotions, quote unquote, get the best of them. Um, But in that way, I feel like crystals then turn into this very masculine enterprise if you're trying to like eject your emotions into something else so they don't get the best of you. Like (laughs) then men should have way more crystal collections here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I'm trying. (laughs) Also something you can box up and (laughs) put away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, and uh, because you've uh, written about both witchcraft and crystals, and I might be on some thin ice here, so you, t- <laughs> you tell me, but do you think that it's at all a coincidence that 2020 and all the stuff that happened right at this moment uh, uh, happens at the same time as a kind of peak in amateur witchcraft and uh, commercialization of crystals? Uh, Could it be that these energies uh, released were just the result of things being handled incorrectly? And how far is it maybe from a teen witch buying a handful of amethyst at Michael's and um, murder hornets? (laughs) Straight line A to B between those two things. Absolutely. No, I mean, I I think it's sort of, I think it's more the inverse. I think that things are are so, you know, 
so chaotic that people definitely are are scrambling for anything that makes them feel like they have control over it. I think the danger sometimes can be when people maybe take that too seriously and think that the only action they should be taking about a chaotic world is, you know, giving themselves a tarot reading or charging some energy by a full moon. Like these are great practices in terms of being able to center yourself and and sort of give yourself clarity. Um, but if that's all that you ever do, uh, then it sort of it sort of doesn't help. <laughs> Indeed, it could hurt. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and is there an example of a crystal that really did change your uh, path? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. You know, I, I think. I, a lot of the crystals I, I had when I was younger were less of these, you know, freestanding raw crystals and, and more came from jewelry. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, you know, at one point my my aunt gave me this ring that I always coveted of hers that had um, an opal in it. And opal is my birthstone. So I think maybe that's why I thought it was so cool. And... I don't know. I think just wearing that, I I couldn't stop staring at the opal because it had all of these iridescent um, colors in it. You know, it just totally looked like a rainbow. And I think that was maybe something that reinvigorated this thought for me because um, I absolutely loved them at, as a kid and I had a rock collection and then I sort of fell out with that the way you do with a lot of like your childhood collections. Um and then I think looking at this again, I was like, oh, right. I think rocks are really cool. And I want to look at them more and I want to have more of them and I want to think about them more. Um, so I think that might have like set me off on on some sort of journey there. Well, Jay, it's so uh, interesting <laughs> that you brought you, I mean, because you're talking to a fellow amateur rock hound and, <laughs> and I had yes. a little plywood box, you know, with all div- divvied up with certain rocks placed into it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the the other coincidence here is, you know, the book is uh, chapters by different crystals and stones, mm-hmm. and you certainly explore the kind of the concreteness about them and the, the history that goes into them, but they're also personal essays. And yeah. you get a, and that's why I'm also kind of focusing on who you are because I got a sense of it through there. And talk about being sensitive to what's happening uh, out there is um, I was reading it and thinking, well, this sounds to me like a Scorpio. And uh, <laughs> not only that, it doesn't sound like a late Scorpio. To me, this sounds like a kind of early one. And wow. then when you when you brought up the fact that you were also October, and uh, because that's when my birthday is, mm-hmm. uh, we share a birthstone. Uh, oh, when, <laughs> when early you, Scorpios. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a Libra. Oh, but, you're uh, a Libra. I, okay. I, can, I can appreciate uh, <laughs> that, that cusp energy. <laughs> but this uh, thing that you just said is, I too remember a beautiful opal ring that my mother had and kind of paying attention to it because it was, oh, it's your birthstone. And I remember how beautiful and subtle that ring was. 
and kind of feeling attached to it. But now, uh, opals, if I'm being honest, I don't know if something happened to the quality of them or if I'm just not looking at them in the right way, but uh, you go to a place to buy them and it has a very uh, boardwalk gift shop kind of quality to a lot. Yeah, I think opals is one of those that has a lot of people sort of dying or doing things to other stones in order to like imitate that quality. Um, Because I I know that the rarest and sort of the most, I think they call it fire, the, that sort of rainbow iridescence that happens with opals. Um, The ones that have the most fire I know are very expensive. So, so if you're getting your opal for super cheap, uh, (laughs) it might not be the most brilliant of all of them. Yeah, it's like the blue carnation at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a little better. Oh, uh, that's so funny, though, that you, you had the same draw to the to an opal. <laughs> yes, in the same form, and it was a beautiful <laughs> ring. I just, but it, anymore, I have not uh, sought them out because, yeah. of, because of what you see out there. And that's the kind that they have on Mars, or is that a different thing? I mean, the the kind that they have on Mars, I have not seen the kind that they have found on Mars specifically. Um, a lot of the difference in, in color and opals just depends on um, sort of where they were found and what the specific conditions in the Earth were. Um, so, I, so I definitely do not necessarily know what the conditions on Mars are in comparison to what the conditions on Earth are here. Um, but... If I could get my hands on a Mars opal, that would be pretty cool. Be pretty good. <laughs> now, uh, given that we might not go to Mars to get the opal, and <laughs> we may have to rely on somebody to bring it back, um, where do you get your crystals? You know, I for opals, it's interesting. My my late uncle actually collected a lot of stones, and I have a couple raw opals from him where it's like the the rock that they were found in and these veins of opals going through them which i think is really really cool um i have a lot of i have a lot of crystals that i've bought at stores that you know advertise themselves as pretty ethical you know trying to only buy from mines that you know pay people living wages make sure people have fair working hours uh have sustainable practices etc um, but that's something that's not really standardized across the the crystal industry, um, you know, other than sort of what's standardized around diamonds. Uh, you know, there's not the same thing standardized around rose quartz. So it, it's sort of hard to figure out what like a quote unquote good place to buy from is. But I think that at this point I have so many right now. I, I try to find as many as I can in nature. Yeah. You know, anytime I go on a hike or go on the beach or something, I try to pick up stones that, um, you know, just sort of catch my eye and remind me of where I am in that moment, what I'm thinking about. Um, and I'm very excited because one of my best friends just got a rock tumbler uh, to make them all sort of shiny and smooth. So the next time it is safe to see her, I'm going to be carting her a big bag of rocks to throw in there. <laughs> That's worth getting the vaccine. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> get, get just for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I believe in the intelligence of objects and, and that the objects do have a kind of, well, as I said, I think some of them are 
ghosts, but uh, I do believe in, in everything, whether that's a chair or a pillow or a crystal, that uh, you have a kind of exchange with the object. So mm -hmm. no matter where I am, whether that's a kind of Mm, questionable <laughs> side of the road crystal shop or a more established one or whatever. Uh, I haven't paid as much attention to the ethical side of it, but okay. Um, there's something that the object speaks to me and I have to negotiate whether we're going to then engage in a relationship. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, even when I've bought crystals in shops, they're there is that sort of moment where you're looking at a pile of them um, and you pick up one and it's sort of like, why was this shape that seems relatively arbitrary if you're going to compare it to any of the other rocks of the same size and same color and same properties? You know, why did I pick up this one? Right. Um, I think of it sometimes the same way that you know, back in the days where I was in a museum, which one day I will be in a museum again, when you go into a gallery room of paintings you've never seen before and maybe suddenly find yourself walking toward one. And, you know, maybe there's just something about the color, something about the subject matter, whatever, that that is drawing you to that corner. Um, but it's so hard to to ever pinpoint that. Yes, and how how to capture that energy? <laughs> because yeah, whatever's happening no, there, that's... <laughs> that's the magic part of it, right? Exactly. Um, you, you get that charge from something, and uh, and it can be difficult to make a decision, uh, and you have to, as I said, kind of negotiate with it, even if you're feeling that charge. But you may be yeah. questioning that, like, okay, well, that's a handsome, <laughs> that's a handsome rock, but it's also forty five dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do I need to get it there? Um, I have not had the experience necessarily that you referenced with Sylvia Plath and the figs. Is that who it was? Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, and that example being that the figs represented things she was trying to choose between, couldn't choose between any of them, and they all wilted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely have felt uh, that feeling of you know, almost being too overwhelmed to make a decision about anything because you want all of them so bad. And then, you know, time's up and <laughs> you sort of can't do anything. Yes. Um, that happened to me. I went to a grocery store for the first time in a year the other oh day. My gosh. And I was just standing there in front of a wall of smoked fish. There's oh. just too many options. I, I, oh. I was paralyzed by the, with it. But um, you referenced something in the book about a similar feeling, uh, the fear of the infinite. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that for you, what that represents? Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm someone who my my particular anxieties and quirks and, and everything have always led me to very much want to be in control of myself and of any given situation that I'm in. Um, I sort of like knowing the contours of of where I am. Uh, and I feel like that is always, typically it has helped calm me or helped me, you know, navigate what I want out of a given situation. And sort of as I'm getting older, realizing that these rules I have set for myself, um, are all sort of arbitrary and, and that a lot of rules are fake. A lot of things that we have decided as a society are important, you know, Everything is a construct. And in a lot of ways, it's really, really freeing to know. 
And in some ways, it's sort of like, okay, well, when anything is possible, then what do I want? What do I do with that information? Um, it, to me, it can sort of feel intimidating if that literally anything is possible rather than you can choose from these three things. Um, and so, yeah, I think sometimes the infinite, just thinking of how much is out there, how much I don't know, how much, you know, the millions and millions of decisions I could make for myself on any given day, um, the more realistic ones and the more outlandish ones, you know, yeah, it can, it can feel really big. It can feel really intense. <laughs> oh, yes. It can be overwhelming. And um, I, too, thrive with a little bit of structure and a little yeah. bit of uh, just give me one word and that's all I need. And and not, uh, it seems to me that I had that experience reading the book, you know, it had an organizing structure to it. But mm -hmm. once you say Amber and then go with it, you, you really are able to follow that wherever it leads you, including your personal uh, sort of place within the universe, but also the, as we said, the history. But, okay, that stands for uh, death, the afterlife, uh, containing it. I mean, you're able to follow each thing uh, from point to point. But while you're talking about a great many broad subjects, there's still this real nice structure to it. Yeah, I think having that, you know, give me a category and I can do anything within that category. Let's go. But tell me just write about anything. Then all of a sudden it's like, what, anything? Like, <laughs> no, 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 you got to give me. But I, I think, right, the idea of, I've, I have been someone like you who's maybe thrived with a little bit of structure. And, um, you know, it's interesting, I think, to start realizing that and to to start acknowledging that, um, this is maybe a choice I've made about myself. Um, but yeah, I think the book, like having the essay structure of just saying, okay, here's one crystal, um, write about anything that comes up within here, uh, was really fun. And it did let me go places that I, I certainly didn't expect sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that can be rewarding. Um, yeah. and I, I also uh, thought, and I think you reference this in there, um, but you know, you're, I got a few years on you, but your generation uh, has had to live through really reality shifting events. Mm -hmm. And you specifically were in places where that happened, whether it's New York and 9-11, uh, some affiliation with New Orleans and Katrina, um, in these places where like the land is really moving and shifting. So to, to have something like a tangible piece of rock that is, uh, you know, not moving, uh, whether there's a little spirituality associated with that or a practice of some kind or not. Um, but at the end of the day, the waters may rise, but you have a rock uh, for, for love, a rock for money, a rock for health, and they're really not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that... Right. Even without those specific things, you know, right. I'm a millennial and I graduated college in 2008. And, you know, it seems like we're, we're having these once in a lifetime events uh, closer and closer together. And so that's um, part of the freeing thing when you realize, OK, maybe all these things that I grew up thinking can change in an instant. So, you know, be ready to change, be ready to 
to act differently. Um, but also, yeah, having a little piece of something that reminds you that you can sort of stay grounded in there um, or just to, to focus on when everything else might seem a little overwhelming. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. To be reminded of maybe even a different timeline and a different yeah. uh, t- t- time scale um, that things can move <laughs> differently and still uh, emerge and still be changed, but that happened at a slower pace. Is probably mm-hmm. a little reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also to take advantage of the fact that we're not rocks, that we, we, yeah. are, we are moving. And it is the right time to question structures and things that you thought were going to be there forever. Even the Absolutely. mineral room, which has been revamped and changed. Yes, I know. And so, yeah, I, I always think back to... Uh, you know, yeah, I'm not going to be in that room again, but I can remember, I can remember what that felt like. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that have changed, but I can still, you know, yeah, remember, remember what it was like then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, of course, not the aim of the book, I know, but after (laughs) reading it, uh, I wanted to go out and buy a bunch of crystals, which I I hadn't felt in a while, but uh, like, I want them to have their own shelves, like the big ones, you know, like the real... Uh. Like a real yes. investment piece. <laughs> I I know. I have a lot of, of very small ones, but one day I want, you know, one of those big, big geodes that's like five feet tall that I can just have in the middle of my apartment. Um, <laughs> I think that's a fine instinct, though. Like, honestly, I, I feel like I've maintained, if nothing else, I just think crystals are really pretty. And that is as good a reason as anything to yeah. collect something. <laughs> Like surround yourself with pretty things. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's not bad. Um, (laughs) um, And uh, gosh, this has been terrific. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you about this. And uh, I I know that you could do another one of the books because there's that many more rocks. I'd be interested to hear what chapter two is like, uh, or, you know, volume two. Um, oh, there's and- so many. There are just so many. And, you know, while there, there's sort of these general frameworks about ro- what rocks will do, there's sort of like, is it a, a healing or a, an energizing crystal? They're ones that invite energy. They're ones that block energy. Um, but... Oh, there, there are just so many and all of them have their own stories. And it's really fascinating just as a, a personal project to try to find out where they all came from. Yes. And as a vehicle for better understanding ourselves and our place in the universe, it's all there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> terrific. And people can get it anywhere, I imagine. Yes. Yes, they can. They can anywhere. Anywhere fine books are sold. Um, I, if, if you want to pick it up, I would love it if that were from a local bookstore. But uh, wherever you can find it, uh, I hope you do. <laughs> I do too. Go, go and get it. Um, and do you have an audio book version? There is an audio book version, yes. Oh, terrific. Um, and so, yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, uh, Jay, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking some time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. All right. Continued success. Yes, thank you. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, what a delight. More than just rocks, aren't they? 
People love inventing stories about things. That's something I've noticed. Amber, tears from the gods who were frozen in tree form. <laughs> I mean, keep it going, human imagination. We need it. The book, as we said, crystal clear, is available everywhere, but try buying local if you can. And if you have a recommendation for a crystal I should get next, I'm desperate to do a little retail therapy. Drop me a DM or send us a note at dillradio at gmail.com and I'll be sure to follow up, let you know how my life has changed based on your recommendation. Well... Thanks for listening. I'm bathing all my crystals in the moonlight and sending good energy your way. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at Siever is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance.